The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 36 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this year's program, the Protecting Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight, recording this late Thursday night in Las Vegas for UFC Vegas 36, UFC Fight Night 191, UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Till, UFC whatever. Um, yeah, uh, check the timestamps for when that starts, as per usual. Um I'll break that down from top to bottom, and as per usual, if you're running even on, uh, you know, um, you know, um, lesser time than uh, that, or just rather not listen, which I don't blame you, you can always skip to the end. I'll recap my picks and plays here, um, as well as I have my best uh, plays written down, of course, uh, on the weekly over there at uh, oddscheckerus.com. I'm just going to do... I'm going to try to keep it expedited. I know I said that last week. I think I want like an hour and a half. You know, we may or may not have to have a uh, another guest like last week, but it'll be short. I'm not going to overstay that welcome. Um, today, three quick shouts. And yeah, the UFC on Vegas 35 recap uh, will be the first half. And the back half, as I said, will be the breakdown. Um, all right. Um, just real quick uh, shouts, uh, Billy Welks, Bill Welker, MMA on the Rocks, one of my one of my favorite uh, people, one of my one of my favorite uh, shows. Go check him out, give him a follow, give that channel a subscribe. MMA on the Rocks, by the way. Um, and speaking on the Rocks, I gotta check on my man Bill Welker if he uh, just unleashed his uh, new project, drinking channel or not. Uh, I believe that's what he's doing, and uh, yeah, definitely uh, go check that out. Um, big fan of Bill's was, 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 was fun having me on it. I, I know I'm trying, I've been trying not to do, uh, trying, trying try to limit myself, but then like, you know, all like, uh, my favorite peeps come and hit me up and, um, it's not work when you're talking to, um, the people, uh, you like and, uh, and whatnot. So, uh, that was, that was a really fun laid back, um, <laughs> recap. Uh, there was, you know, I, I had to pollute it with my penis talk as I tend to do. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, trigger warning. Uh, yeah, you know, we get kind of crazy, especially delirious Dan Tom. You, you think normal Dan Tom has trouble with the old filter? Well, you know, delirious Dan Tom on this show is a, it's another animal. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was good times. Um, speaking of uh, as a good peeps, uh, Fernanda Pratis, uh on uh, Best Camp of My Life, of course, um, one of my favorite podcasts. Um, she's amazing. Uh, follow her. Uh, hopefully, uh, I can't listen to myself. So, uh, you know, uh, if you've listened to the episode, hopefully it was was good. I know uh, I always have a great time talking to Fernanda. It was I had some good laughs too. Um, hopefully that humor came across and it wasn't too depressing. 
Um, probably old hat for a lot of you to listen to this show, um, at least some of the things that we ended up getting into. But it's just like, you, again, when you're talking to someone uh, obviously really cool, you, you really enjoy talking to, you feel friends, you vibe with. Um, you know, it, it almost felt like we weren't even, you know, uh, it's like we were just talking to each other, except <laughs> the difference with her show and this show is people actually listen to that show. So we'll see. <laughs> Uh, how many people uh, think I'm crazy or crazier, and uh, you know how many people uh, hate me? Uh, so you know we'll <laughs> we'll see where the numbers there go. I just ask you to not take it out on Fernanda. She was an amazing, and hopefully uh, you guys. Honestly, I know I'm being hard because you know you know me catastrophizing anything that has to do that uh, you know the uh, opposite minus in myself touches, uh, and that anxiety aside. Uh, but no, um, you know. I, I, it was a it was a good time, and I hope you guys did enjoy the show. With my my catastrophizing aside, um, Jeff from ESPN shouts to him for having me on the Sioux Falls show. Well, it's nice to those guys, and uh, yeah, that concludes the shouts. But uh, yeah, go check out those shows, especially Bill and uh, Fernanda there, uh, and go support all their stuff. Good, good people. Uh, all right, UFC Vegas thirty five recap. Um, as I pull up my tab here, we went seven and five overall, one and two in straight plays, two and one in props, kind of two and two. I guess I'll get to that as we get to it. Uh, I'll be doing this from top to bottom. Uh, of course, Giga Chikadze defeated uh, Edson Barbosa via third round TKO. Complete opposite call. I had Barbosa third round TKO, uh, but Giga turned on the afterburners at the beginning of round three and it paid off. You know, it's tough, man. At the risk, and I want to go easy because, A, I do give credit where credit's due, believe it or not. And even as hard as I go on Giga, I still am the only person to really be bringing up, uh, one of the only people I should say, I know Aaron Bronster did a good job bringing it up, but uh, the broadcast, um, only you think toward the end. Um, and, you know, uh, Giga didn't make anything of it, which, you know, I kind of wish he did because I feel like uh, the money I cashed on this under, I feel like I should go donate it to his charity there. Uh, and it's honestly one of the best things about him. And, and, and even though for me, there's a, I, 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 you know, from, you know, when they back all the way back when they're putting John Jones against Matsushenko, Yushchenko, um, I just have this real hype when it comes to, or this real, you know, you know, me with being contrarian and, you know, I'm sure there's no personal projections going along with, you know, uh, me, uh, siding with people who, uh, had to take the harder route as, as opposed to people who, uh, talented or not good person or not, not saying he's none of those things. He is both those things, but that also doesn't mean that someone can also have a bit of a, uh, privileged path, not his fault. He's doing what he's doing. And, uh, it's actually, you know, working out for the better because he's able to develop his skills, which we saw more of, uh, however, but, uh, you know, aside from what I was getting at is my, uh, you know, contrarian, hipster self that, you know, wants to see the hype people, you know, actually, you know, uh, tested appropriately or given the same treatment others get, um, like the Barbosa B-sides of the world, who is perpetually the B-side, um, no matter how much, how many highlight reels he can, uh, produce, and he is given his respect, it's not that he's not, but usually only given his respect in effort to perhaps build the other side up, right, uh, one of those things, so again, it's cool, I get it, there's benefits to it, it's the world we live in. It just like many things. It doesn't mean I have to like it. And it doesn't mean, you know, we can't call things out, you know. Um, we can't call things out for what they are, you know. Everyone's trying to make this big hubbub by trying to call a certain person a pro boxer. And that we should give them credit for that. 
but whilst in the same breath saying, uh, let's make sure uh, he goes uh, here, not there, or nothing too hard, or this or that, back to these caveats. Like, wait, wait, I thought, I thought we were expanding that this guy's a pro boxer. You know, anyways, I'm not going to get into that BS because I can get away with not talking about it here, so I'm going to use that. Uh, no offense to, to other shows that have to. I get I get that that stuff sadly becomes a part of the beat. But uh, the point is, is um, yeah, fuck me for, you know, maybe rooting for... <laughs> You know the you know the uh, the older veteran the uh, the older man my love for old men uh, as I uh, totally missed the memory lane shout from Adam Sandler's <laughs> a lot of people picked up on that I think uh, my man Bronstad was giving me credit was a bill I think both probably but uh, it reminded me of the Adam Sandler skit memory memory lane speaking of love for old men I'll probably attach that for those of you guys listening on the audio uh, bonus there. Um, but yeah, and of course, when I go hard on an opinion, I, uh, um, you know, I, I tend to piss people off as if I need to lose any more fans or four friends. Uh, but I, I know I pissed both of those off because, uh, you know, uh, Chikadze is a very passionate fan base, as I pointed out. Um, and I'm not going to give crap, even though, you know, uh, it, it's only, you know, that sentiment is only stronger now. Um, instead, I'll look at the silver lining, which is even though we won't get to sadly see him tested really against wrestlers because there's not that many, Chikatse, he's good at what he does, even though, Paige, note that, uh, I clearly don't <laughs> uh, don't get it to a certain extent. Not like don't get just it, it's clearly I clearly have a bias against it, I should say. And I, I'm me, somebody who prides myself of uh, stating my biases, uh Perhaps should have counted this one a little more in. Although, again, I still laid out the work pre and post as far as the angle, which cashed and did account for my bias. But still, I come across this leaving, a, you know, feeling so unsatisfied. And I know a lot of analysts felt the same way going in and going out. So I don't necessarily feel bad, but it's just one of those things that analysis be damned, right? You can watch his whole kickboxing career, literally count all the kick checks to two, and then he goes and count, like, checks, you know, uh, the first two kicks right off the bat. I'm like, wow, I look fucking stupid, don't I? Uh, of course he's going to start checking kicks. And both of them, too. Both of them looked a bit perturbed, uh, or at least, very least, not as comfortable kicking. Chikatsi obviously landed more kicks. He even landed his money kick, his liver kick. Yeah, giga kick, all right. Uh, you know what I mean. But, uh, yeah, uh, multiple times. But, it, uh, you know, to Barbosa's credit, he showed um, some of the checks and things you can do, although he didn't build off it. Um, he cut the cage, although he didn't, and not that he's the most distinct pressure fighter, but he has been pressuring a lot more at featherweight. He didn't pull the trigger a lot. Um, it was just clear that, you know, whatever Chikatsi was selling, he was buying. Uh, he did, did, it did not feel good. And, and that's the thing. He might not have the nuance of, like, feints or, like, I think I believe Conor Rebus was saying this and shot to him. I was talking about this on my Twitter. Or I'm, I'm totally with him in the sense that, like, Go figure, me and Connor have a similar hipster sensibility when it comes to certain things, right? But um, he, he, you know, he's not by the definition of a, like what a lot of technical analysts like to see on uh, mixing up power and certain things. And even if you go to his traditional martial arts style, and again, I'm the only person even diving into these things, but again, analysis be damned. You say something bad about, you know, the dick of the day that everybody's supposed to be sucking and you refuse to suck it. Shame on you, apparently. But, um, but yeah, um, but even with Goju Ryu, hard and soft style, soft circular, hard linear, uh, depending on the subsets, of course, um, he throws everything circular straight. 
uh, tired, not tired, beginning around, end around. He's throwing with everything he's he's got. Um, and you know, it, maybe it's just because I could tell he's one of those dudes that would just, would just be a pain in the ass that janky style in the sparring room. And uh, you know, he's just as much of a pain in the ass clearly in 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 the real fight. And to his credit, um, and the style works for him, man. I may not uh, dig it. But now he's putting it together in an, against an MMA sample size. Because, again, folks, I'm not saying Giga, you know, had bullshit experience or that Glory is bullshit. But it's re- it's a really weird thing when you have Glory, when you have, like, oh, Carl Roberson was a Glory kickboxer. Um, he's having his second or third fight here. Or this is his second appearance in Glory. And, you know, he fought, uh, what's his name? Was it Remy Bonjaski or somebody? I forget, but like he fought like a legend, but it was like some random thing where like he steps in last minute for his first kickboxing fight to fight a legend, like a clear, you know. But he does, you know, he does pretty good and overachieves even in a loss. And uh, and then I think he takes another fight and he loses that. And I think he's just like one in three or something. But you know, everyone, oh, he's a glory kickboxer. And I'm not trying to shit on Roberson here or Glory again, but it's just like it's that weird mix. And then even when you look at Chikazi's guys, they were guys coming off of like. The dudes that were actually over 5'2 and were in somewhat in shape were like the Ken Trans of the world who may have fought Rory McDonald back in the day, but like was coming off the couch from five years and shit. So it's not like I'm not saying anything that wasn't true. We just needed to see that sample size, uh, a more relevant sample size against more relevant names in the sport at hand, which was MMA, right? So um, that was interesting. And Barbosa, even though he didn't kick much, like when he did kick the leg and kick the body or go to the body, he actually like uh, he actually drew reactions from it, but even though Barbosa tried to keep his reactions with a poker face, um, Chikatsi, you know, you could tell, and Chikatsi, more importantly, uh, could tell that he was getting through on his blitzes, even though he got checked on an early one, which was more of a slip than a knockdown. Um, but I was like, okay, more of that. But once you know, round two came about, and even though it was still kind of a hesitant Barbosa, uh, even you know. Um, you know, clearly seeing stuff he didn't like. He he, he was putting the better pressure, and I, I know the strikes say he got outstruck by the numbers, but the numbers don't tell the the story of a fight. There's plenty of stuff that I watched in this next card, folks, where I was like, oh, the numbers looks like he this person slowed down. I'm like, nope, they got all 3027s, and when you watch it, oh yeah, they they hurt the person a bunch of times. It's quality of strike, right? Um. And Barbosa's actually, to his credit, did do affect the leg and body. Oddly enough, even though it was Giga that was blasting him, right? Um, more and harder, uh, visibly. But, you know, Barbosa did get reactions for what that was worth, but it wasn't enough. Uh, he got blitzed on round three. Um, Chikatsi showed some ground stuff, which, you know, they were glimpses, and it's like, it's it's cool. Like, I, I'm glad he wants to show those things, and, and that's good that he's getting better. But at the same time, it's like, how much do we credit him for? Um, locking up a submission and almost letting a guy recover, right? It could have been like, uh, we'll get to uh, Emery Sabatini, but it could have gotten reversed on him, right? That being said, Giga was smart enough to separate. Gets up and uh, finishes it. No issue with the stoppage whatsoever. Um, And yeah, man, um, the silver lining here is, you know... um, he might not get tested in the way, you know, um, I would like to see or wanted to see or that was stylistically available, but 
the fact that Giga has shown that his style, no matter what anyone, you know, me or anyone thinks of it, 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 you know, it's a fucking problem to deal with. And he's in a division full of strikers. I think that, uh, I think that the fans are the winners here. Uh, to, to, to use that cheap cop out, you know? Um, but yeah, man, um, I don't know. It was just, I think it was just more of just a lot of just with the whole circus and a lot of the bullshit surrounding just a bunch of stuff with traditional martial arts and, and my stupid chips on my shoulders as far as, um, feeling useless and I can credit for that, even though one of the few that actually incorporates it into my analysis on the reg, cause it's God forbid my background it's just annoying, you know, and like people being offended that, you know, just like people got offended that I brought up Katsunori Kakuno, even though I brought him up with like a relevant gif of him throwing a very similar style kicked. And like, I don't think people understood like that. I tweeted it when the broadcast was like searching for names and karate people and they were naming the Shotokan guy who fights in a completely different style in Machida. They are naming the point karate, Kenbo karate guy that fights in a completely different style in Steven Thompson because those are always like the two same names that get abused for every karate point nuance style or fighter. Um, and I know that Kakuno isn't... Um, Gojurayu, um, uh, but uh, it, by the way, someone I forget too. Someone suggested it was Kempo. I was like, really? I didn't think it was Kempo. I thought he was. It was more like of a. I kind of. I don't want to say Shotokan because that, that's that's wrong too. Um, but I actually went and looked it up, and now wow, and now it's not even there. Uh, but yeah, um, someone tried to explain to me, and I was like, and I looked it up, I'm like that's actually wrong, but. Uh, Uh, shout out to my man Sam Yang. Uh, you know, people trying to trying to tell tell us martial arts and our experiences of it is just you know, or getting upset when we bring up other Asians is uh, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm not trying to upset anybody, man. I love y'all. I love y'all. Appreciate y'all interaction. Um, I'm just I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not for not sucking the giga dick, but. Uh, and I still don't know if I will, but you know what? Uh, seriously, uh, I'm gonna go look up that. Uh, see if he has a link to the charity. If anybody sends it to me, and if it's available to do any kind of open donation, I'll donate my winnings from the under. Um, to Giga's charity. So hopefully, people can uh, not get butt hurt. Uh, Brian Battle defeated Gilbert Urbina uh, via submission. I barely really watched this fight to be honest, so I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, Ricky Tercios defeated Brady Heiston. I didn't really watch this one too closely either. Um, kind of checked out. Um, Tercios just reminded me of, like Miguel Torres. I know people were saying Tony Ferguson. That's fine too. Uh, Heiston had an argument for winning apparently, but you know, um, as we're seeing, you know, uh, with the judges treading toward damage, which is the criteria. Um, it is not uncommon if the fighter is more active from the bottom to uh, to outweigh them within that round. Daniel Rodriguez defeated Kevin Lee via unanimous decision. D-Rod. Um, I guess he still technically gave him the rod, right? Even though he didn't finish him. Um, Andre Petrovsky defeats Michael Gilmore. Third round TKO. Uh, I know you went against opposite there. 
Uh, as I know, he's usually gases, so good on him. Picked him, but didn't play it. Um, Gerald Mearshart defeated Mahmoud Muradov. Oh man, that was a uh, that was the uh, that was the the yeah that was the the fight of the night. Speaking of Mahmoud Muradov, real quick, shout out to the fight site. I was listening to Ed and uh, Shriram talk, and uh, Gordon and Shriram. I might have to get the full report from him. Uh, Apparently Mahmoud uh, has got some uh, he's got some uh, trading cards. He's got a he's, he's he's got like his own kind of sports card, but like maybe not for sports, maybe more adult. The way it sounds, like he's got his own stats and everything listed. Apparently, I don't know why. I just got a picture of like Muradov with like a Bob the Builder construction hat, you know, a hard hat helmet on. He's got a lunch pail, right? Does, I don't know. Well, leave it up to the imagination. <laughs> Hey, listen, I wouldn't give Meridoff shit. You, uh, before I was Iraqi, I was the Italian stallion. Oh, Jesus Christ, you are here. Uh, yeah, folks, uh, that's right. Just, it's, I brought him in for a quick victory lap. And, wow, I guess you could probably talk about both sides of this story. But, uh, yeah, congrats, Sly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You picked, uh, uh, you picked uh, Shard. Yeah, well, you know Sly's a fan of this shard. <laughs> I think everybody knows Sly's a fan of this shard. Yeah, everybody knows now, Sly. Believe me. If they don't, they uh. Anyways, yeah, yeah. You 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 picked the shard, and and you know I'm happy for you because Gerald uh, Gerald's a good guy. I felt bad for picking GM three, you know, uh, picking against GM three, but um, but he persevered there. Was, like you said, it was the South Paw and that that maybe some of that American spirit, huh, Sly? Oh yeah, American spirit all the way, South Paw. Gerald, I mean, ah, uh, Gerald really earned a spot. And Gerald, if you're listening, like I said. There's some much-needed ambiance at my coffee table parties, and maybe you, uh, I don't know, but, uh, listen, Sly, let's not go there. Although, at the risk of, uh, you know, having you stay any longer and overstaying your welcome, um, how about that Muradoff trading card, huh? I mean, he's got his stats on there and everything, apparently. Yeah, I didn't have no stats at Kitty's and Kitty's Playhouse or whatever that film was I did. He ain't no Sly back in the day. <laughs> Sly made some films. You know, Sly, I, 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 I actually don't think they're as bad as those parties you alluded to. So, uh, I can guess I can see why you were, you were, you're quite proud of that at your age. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I just, Sly knows what to do. He knows how to make money, whether it's picking the shot or you know doing other things with the shot. All right, Sly. On that note, all right, we're thanks. All right, all right, folks. Sorry, uh, contractual WMEING shit. You know, he's got to make his rounds and. Um, he thinks he thinks this is actually a notable podcast, so we'll let him think that. He's probably going to have to come back later, but not today. Don't worry. We're going to push through. Um, Sly just had to do his, his victory lap and uh, comment on those. Uh, <laughs> in the world of NFTs, what would you consider that? Was that Would, would that be like a... Uh, would that be like what Muradoff had? Would that be like a, you know, would that be like a NFDP, a non-fungible dick pic? <laughs> Uh, of course, the UFC Championship Edition; those those are worth a lot. But you'd have like a couple rogue cards that like just gain popularity. That you know they'd have to mark up, uh, like just like they did in the Wizards back in the day with the comics. Like, <laughs> wow, the GSPs and uh, the GSPs and, and uh, Kamara Usman cards are trending nice. But uh, who's this? You know, we imagine like someone in the future like reading off these values, going, "Why is this William Knight card worth so much?" <laughs> 
I don't know, but this Tafon and Chuki one's not doing too bad either. <laughs> like, like multiple card sets because they're so thick they can't even fit on like one card. <laughs> I got Willie's shoulder. What do you got? I don't know, but there's a lot of veins. All right. All right. Jesus Christ. Oh, the possibilities with the NFDPs, UFC. This is why I will never be in a position of power, folks. Um, again, I don't know what my problem is. Okay. <laughs> Let's not get too deep into that one. Let's move on. Who else do we got? We got uh, <laughs> Dual Razak Al-Hassan. <clears throat> I was tempted to pour myself a drink, by the way, but I'm sober as shit right now, by the way. Just being goofy as fuck. Uh, defeated Alessio uh, DeCherico via first round TKO. Um, yeah, he came out and blasted it up. If you guys remember that that thing I said about Emmers and uh, commentary on black athletes, we had a we had a yeah, I wrote pure explosive power. Uh, Bisping on Al Hassan. <laughs> I tell you, folks. Um, anyways. And I like Bisping too, by the way. Um, but just, just pointing it out. Wellington Terman defeated Sam Alvey via split decision. That was a weird fight. Ooh, bad bet. But um, yeah, that's just more of a bad look on Alvey than anything. I mean, that was the one fight that stylistically he could win, and then he even got the two points gifted his way and still couldn't pull it off. Um, which I don't disagree with, by the way. Wellington Terman won every round. Uh, so, yeah, as a bad look. I'm curious to see what they do with Sam Alvey, what Dana White said in that post-fight press conference. Dustin Jacoby defeated Darren Stewart very via first-round TKO. Got the job done fast. Maybe in hindsight I should have, uh, you know, uh, stuck with my gut there with Jacoby because he cashed. Maybe done a, a Jacoby Aldridge parlay because that would have cashed as J.J. Aldridge defeated Vanessa Demopoulos for unanimous decision. Uh, this helped. This definitely came through. It was a good start to the night. The sub prop plus 500 plus the dog play. Pat Savatini cash defeats Jamal Emmers via sub heel hook. Uh, the match started in the worst way possible. You know, uh, Pat Sabatini was going to be the on paper slightly more dangerous person in that first round. And with the way um, Jamal Emmers' striking has been trending, you know, his volume and his power and his confidence has been going up. So maybe that's not a surprise. But yeah, he sits. Uh, Sabatini down early but he makes the mistake of, of tying up with him and I said this with the fight IQ I said look out for him snatching up the long legs and uh, sure enough uh, that happened um, you could see the moment exactly when Sabatini like looks over his shoulder and sees uh, that Jamal Emers is committing to a toll hold he almost smirks because he knows it's done he's like you just brought a pistol to a machine gun fight and he gets him with the uh, inside heel hook I believe uh, Mano Martinez defeated Guido Canendi via split decision. Uh, I didn't watch this one too closely. Um, but uh, happy Mano Martinez won. Very emotional and very understandable after losing a coach. Um, you know, um, it's uh, it's not fun. Yeah, say that. All right, uh, that is that card. How do we do on time? 27-13. Okay. We're going to move on to UFC Vegas 36. Da, 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 da. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right, uh, we got uh, Darren Till minus 184, Derek Brunson plus 154. Um, 
All right. Uh, yeah, I my breakdown's out on this one pretty much. Um, one and leaning toward Derek Brunson, and I still came out picking Derek Brunson, just not as confident. Uh, I basically I feel like Till could cap him off um, as he's gotten better with his counters, and we saw in that Robert Whitaker fight could do something similar with the uppercuts, elbows, intercepting left hand in general early, or I also think he is just as likely to do it late because Derek Brunson's gotten better with his pacing since moving to Sanford MMA, but instead of gassing in the second round, now he just gasses toward the end of the third. Luckily, he's been able to recoup because, uh, like he's been able to recoup because uh, he had a guy like Colin who was fighting on short notice and had no wrestling. Um, but Darren Till is underrated in the clinch. Um, I've always said that in his underrated counter wrestling. And uh, to his credit, a lot of the times where he was, you know, um, either submitted on the ground or elbowed and got a lot of damage done on the ground uh, in his last fight in Whitaker, both those weren't takedowns that got on there. They were actually knockdowns uh, that Till got knocked down. Um, but, you know, thankfully for Derek Brunson, I think people forget they keep talking about the knockout power just like the title contention. Like it's somehow on one side, although one man clearly has a higher knockdown, knockout percentage, and one man is only won one fight in the division against a former welterweight, while the other has actually been around and is on a four-fight winning streak. So, uh, not shitting on Till. It's just it's more the again it's more the promotion. I can't help but counterbalance that narrative. Please, people, don't you know? <laughs> I gotta feel like I gotta qualify everything because of. Uh, you know the feelings that get hurt on the fan favorites when you when you don't when you don't bow down. I'm not trying to get hung up on that, but I just I feel like I piss enough people off. Try not to do that, but at the same time, God forbid, I'm honest. And uh, yeah, I just I don't. You know those numbers are pretty factual. Uh, unfair for the talking points. I feel like Derek Brunson should be closer to a title fight, but of course, if Till wins, he will get it. You get to keep that aside of the analysis, though. Um, but yeah, I think Till can go early or late. Uh, Brunson, um, again, he has the power that people were overlooking, like I said. But you know, he'll throw himself out of position um, even when he's fighting more conservative, or he can be the wild man. Brunson can be a bit inconsistent, which is why this isn't like a run out and bet. This, I'm gonna wait to see how my plays do prior before I play this, uh, before I even decide to sprinkle. But I may only sprinkle on Brunson, and whether you're playing Till or Brunson, uh, I caution you if you're overconfident. And I suggest you also take a look at the under 3.5 at plus money, as I feel like that could be an addition or a hedge, uh, a hedge for Till, as he could win a decision. Uh, you know, so if you're on Till, and you know you might lose the under, but at least you cash the Till ticket. However, I think that no matter which side you're on, money line, I think that under may be a, a, an additional uh, cash or hedge because, um, again, these were matchups that. Derek Brunson could kind of control um, or that didn't have the same type of stylistic potency um, interacting with him. In other words, that even with the improvements, um, I still suspect that Darren Till is too dangerous for Derek to let hang around, whether he's winning or losing. So it's going to be an inherently do-or-die contest that may be attached to Derek Brunson's gas tank and however long it lasts. That he's ever, they're gonna have to get a finish before the fuse runs out, or um, will be finished in the process because he'll he'll gas himself trying to get the finish, 
or put himself in a in a very vulnerable position whilst trying to get to a position to get the finish on the feet, right? Um, so yeah, the under at plus money uh, is probably the safest angle, although there really isn't, nor there really shouldn't be a confident angle because it could end in the middle, it could end it early, it could go to distance, and they could do th do so for technically either party. Uh, but with this being in the small cage, again, my you know formula. Uh, gonna go with the uh, wrestler in the smaller cage there, um, and better you know submission grappler too because Derek Brunson since we saw him last just got his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt as um, as uh, as I suspect um, <clears throat> as I suspect he may try to show that off from a stylistic standpoint. Uh, also, this fight was supposed to initially take care take place in England in the bigger cage home court advantage. Um, Gallo feeds off the crowd until um, not going to have that. All the added stresses of travel. He still cuts a decent. Uh, uh, he still cuts weight. He doesn't like walk around near middleweight. <laughs> you know, uh, even you know, did not seem too happy in the uh, interviews. Which who could blame him? He's got like again extra travel, added travel for a lot of these fighters, especially the English fighters, who were counting on a hometown. Now they've got the let down and the kind of added travel, right? Um, and then the smaller cage as well, yeah, so, uh, I'm gonna go with Brunson to wrestle, and even though, again, Brunson could maybe be super sketchy if he gets the decision, because he's gonna be surviving some weird late rounds, um, so, uh, I'm, I'm picking Brunson to get it done inside, I'm thinking either, a submission or just, you know, forcing the ref to stop it by strikes by just, you know, getting, like, a, uh, belly down, back mount, and just punching him out kind of a deal. Um, because Till likes to turtle to stand, and Derek is big and strong, and maybe a guy to actually stop that because he can actually back take and do more p better positional work than uh, Robert Whitaker has shown to do. Um, and that's not a knock on Whitaker, obviously. He beat him, and I picked him and beat him, and I love Whitaker, but I'm just saying. So, yeah, um, Derek Brunson, third-round TKO. Let's see. If it's like last week, it'll be till TKO. You're fucking idiot, Dan. You always pick against me. Boch, you're wrong. Boch. Take a shot for every boch. <laughs> I love it, by the way. I love I, I, I love I love my brothers and sisters across the pond, but uh, I especially love them Northern England accents. The Northern England. It's uh, quite... It's quite interesting. Boch. Uh, not from Liverpool, but Northwestern England. Tom Aspinall, or Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall. <laughs> Minus 245. Easy, Dan. Sergey Spivak, plus 200. Um, yeah, uh, the, uh, going with, uh, Danny, Bre Danny Brenner from Bellator and Frank Mir had a kid, Tom Aspinall. Or Sergey Spivak, who's perpetually fighting for a right to an ice fishing hole somewhere in northern Europe, which looks like where he came from. He does not appear to be in the extreme couture photos, um, which makes sense. He's taking this fight on last minute, uh, just a couple weeks. But in his defense, he is heavyweight, uh, so he doesn't have to cut weight. But I do still think he has the travel aspect along with Tom. Uh, but again, good news for both these guys is they don't have to cut weight. Tom looks in great shape coming into this one. 
Looks like he's had a ton of big bodies to work with. I didn't see Darren Till in a lot of his photos, except for like one where Darren Till's got like a black eye. But he's got some like huge bodies in there to work with, which is great. And I imagine Tom Aspinall called out Sergey Spivak for a reason. Um, but between this being heavyweight, Sergey Spivak overperforming, not just my expectations because I've discounted him way too much, but even uh, even others who Booze paid more attention to him than I have. Um, it it kind of scares me off as well as, and let me know if you guys had uh, as much trouble. I could not find it. it was, I had a hard time searching from ESPN, Fight Pass, to the old Google and beyond. Um, Sergey's recent fights, I couldn't get any like reliable links. Like Everything was taken down or not working. Um, they did go back and review Tom Aspinall's. It pretty much just comes down to the gas tank and his experience in those later rounds because we could speculate on what his speed was going to do in the Arlovsky fight, but we got to see it. And ultimately, the wrestling that he still dug out in that Arlovsky fight and the short right hands, that, sh- that short counter right hand, uh, the, short, that sh- the short right hand in general uh, that Tom Aspinall has, I think it's going to be money here. Um, especially with the height parity that he's going to have with Spivak and the length parity. Um, so I, I do think he gets it done. Unfortunately, it's probably going to be early. I would like to see a longer fight to see how Tom fares. That probably wouldn't be the best thing for him here, or Tom Aspinall betters. Um, I stayed away, but the pick is Aspinall. Next fight, uh, Alex Moreno, minus 134. David Zavada, plus 114. This kind of surprised me. Uh, Moreno was the pick off first glance, but then I realized Moreno's taking this fight on like just over a week notice, I believe. Um doesn't look like he was in Dallas. It looks like he was in Houston, which is his home base and has been his home base, granted. Um, and he has had bigger bodies to work there. I believe some like light heavyweight dude and uh, Trevin Giles. Jay Giles. Uh, but uh, I don't know how that is, man. Like, the, the, you know, uh, uh, you know, I know Zavada's a, a, a pretty uh, – he's going to be larger, longer, and taller than Morono. He's a, not a small welterweight, but um, – yeah, I don't know how the jumping in last minute is going to work for Morono. Um, he hasn't shown the best gas tank or consistency, although the consistency part and pacing part has gotten a lot better since working with Safe Sayud and Fortis. Again, doesn't look like he had work with them in this camp, and I don't know if Safe Sayud is going to be up there or in his corner for this camp, although that, that part wouldn't surprise me. But again, uh, not a full camp uh, with them or with himself, right? Um, claims to be in shape, though. Excited for opportunity. I believe he's taking his last two fights on short notice, which is one and one. However, he got beaten in a decision by Anthony Pettis um, in like in the later rounds. It almost finished at the very end, and then beat a clearly shot cowboy uh, Cerrone, um, who, who, who you know, you know, is clearly on the downfall, right? Or as it has been, has been on it. Um, so those, you know, I. I so I don't know what to make of Morono going, you know, short notice. Whereas Zavada, um, he was preparing for uh, Sergey Kandasko, and uh, he's had another full camp at American Top Team, where he's been cross training since uh, American, since uh, Hector Longbar picked him up like back in 2017 for that Anthony Smith fight camp. Um, and uh, since then, not coincidentally enough, he's gotten better with his wrestling, um, and better with his uh, leg kicks and calf kicks, and I think. All those, along with his counter left hook, is going to come in real handy against an aggressive forward mover like Morono. Uh, to where I think Zawada can either. Like, Morono's shown that he can be stopped late, and, and Zawada's powerful and has, has hard knees, hooks, leg kicks, etc. 
But um, I feel like he could just really uh, beat him up for the duration by beating up those legs. And then when he gasses out, could maybe force a stoppage. Um, you know, again, Zawada, he's has a losing record in the UFC, but those were deceptively tough fights. Short notice against Danny Roberts, you know, and a, a couple different swings. Uh, that fight could have gone his way. The Ramzam and me fight was a lot closer to going his way than I realized. Both those were splits, mind you. And he almost finished uh, Li Jiang Li multiple times before uh, getting finished with a with a body shot in the third round after just a ridiculous war. Um, a liver shot, like a, I think it was like a perfectly placed liver shot too, because uh, he held his right side right. Um, and Morono does attack the body, but it's mainly like teeping front kicks. They're not they're not the hardest things. Um, watch, he's going to just stop with a body kick now. Uh, which, you know, you shouldn't be surprised. Moreno does also have a Taekwondo black belt to go with his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Zavada is one of those really well-rounded guys who's competed in kickboxing, uh, no-gi grappling, and then won multiple regional titles in MMA. So he's just ridiculously well-rounded. As he's shown, he can submit an Armaga Madoff. Um, or he can, you know, uh, or he can slug it out, you know, using the art of eight limbs, although I wish he really used the jab or more, um, you know, you know, more longer tools like that. Uh, but, again, I don't know if this is the fighter to make him pay for that. Uh, he has shown to, you know, is Zavada's aggression has shown to, to allow him to give takedowns, right? But, again, I don't know if this is the person to... Um, to take advantage of that either. Morono only has like a couple like clinch takedowns, it looks like. And Zavada has those too, but he's gotten better with his defense and has incorporated more traditional wrestling, which would make sense considering he's training an American top team. Uh, whereas Morono, he just doesn't look as strong, nor does his hips look as strong, nor does his wrestling techniques look as strong. Um, like even there's this moment where with Pettis, and he, you know, he's the bigger, even Morono not being the biggest or imposing welterweight, it was still bigger welterweight than Pettis, and more natural one, and there's that point where he has both, he almost has like that low, like almost like Habib mount, where he's like crossed up under the legs, and granted it's a weird, um, it's kind of a weird position, but I still feel like he should have had more than enough leverage to get on top of Pettis, and you see Pettis like with his legs like completely like together and straight and forward, um, he's still able to get enough leverage to turn up off the floor and uh, with Morono's body attached to turn into him into his guard. Um, and I was, you know, I was just like, oof, that, you know. Um, so I, I really feel like Zvada's hips are going to be much stronger. Um, you can still get Zvada plus money. Money's been trending because he opened a bit wider than this, which I don't agree with. This should have been closer to a pick him from the start, but he opened at plus 165. Um, I got him at plus 118, not much better than where he's at right now, which is like plus 114 or plus 105, that range, depending on where you look. I just played the money line because you're getting plus money. Who knows when it's going to end. But win or lose, as a trend when I bet underdogs, he is a guy that will fight for the money. Um, so Zavada, half a unit. Uh, next fight, uh, Modestus Bukowskis, minus 146, Khalil Roundtree Jr., plus 124. Picking against some biases here. Again, we're going to risk pissing more people off. <laughs> um, obviously, I know Khalil from back in the day. Shouts to the Rock and Java days. Always rooted for him. Um, have ran in similar circles before. 
uh, interviewed him professionally, and, you know, um, so yeah, I, it's usually just a pick and stay away for Khalil, but, uh, you know, I can't always do that. I believe I submitted Bukowskis for my staff picks. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to be rooting for Khalil, though, or cheering for him. I also feel weird saying rooting after, you know, I got a lot of Australian listeners. Shout out to Mark Fellows. Uh, I know that means different for you guys there. Um, so I'm going to go Modestus Bukowskis. Um, because it's just so hard. You know, I, I can't, unbiasedly, I, you know, I can't deny that, you know, Khalil has been inconsistent, so I'm going to pick the more consistent fighter, but I'm going to be rooting for Khalil to win. Uh, no plays. I stayed away from that one. Um, Patti, Patti, the Fochen Patti, uh, minus 154. Luigi Vendramini, plus 130. Um, went with Vendramini here. Oh, well, surprise, surprise. Dad went against the hype guy. Like, no, not just because of that, and I'm not even like confident I actually didn't even touch this fight to be honest because I just who knows um but both fighters you know well Vendramini's got more UFC experience sure but you know uh Patty Pimblett's got a ton of experience himself over there at Cage Warriors kid's been fighting since it was like he could legally do so um but there's still a lot of questions to be asked you know for as much as I don't like Patty Pimblett's stand-up style, you know, we saw that just because I don't like a stand-up style doesn't mean it can't be effective. Doesn't mean they can't still win. That being said, um, just the stiffness, the straight up in the airness, the I don't know, uh, not so much stiffness. I should say he's actually gotten much more fluid and fast. Patty has. Um, it looks like he's worked on the strength and conditioning too, but I don't know. It just seems like a lot of flash fodder. Um, has some decent kicks for sure that he really whips into because he's really confident, obviously, in being off of his back in his grappling game. But um, Vendramini is is the more uh, well-rounded uh, striker, the more powerful striker. Uh, favors a bit of that Mu- Muay Thai style, which makes sense. He shifted camp over. This will be his second camp now at Factrix Muay Thai. I like that. Um, he's been spending a lot of time stateside. Looks in the best shape of his life. Um, I believe he's fought at welterweight before. Uh, whereas Patty is now a filled out lightweight, so size shouldn't be an issue. He may, in fact, look like the bigger guy, but uh, Patty is a former bantamweight, featherweight, and really bulked up uh, in this later part of his lightweight stretch as he's heading into the UFC. Um, that being said, you know, Patty's putting his eggs in his baskets, talking big, uh, putting a lot of pressure on himself, and he could do it, you know. Uh, first round finish is what he's calling for, but again, fighter that really is putting himself in that hole to do that in their first fight uh first round or bust mindset with arguably you know uh, you know although patty you know even in defeat is has been you know has uh, grinded and tried to scrap it out later in the fights um he still is reliant mainly on the submission uh and his tkos are from out positioning the guy and benjamini doesn't have look to have great wrestling um, either, but he looks to be the more stronger guy, and he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, um, and I wrote his dad here, I think his, his dad is actually a black belt from back in the day, um, so his dad actually had him doing jiu-jitsu since he was a kid, so, you know, he's been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, or he's been doing, you know, he's been doing grappling for a long time, longer than, you know, longer than Patty, arguably, right? Uh, he's been doing it from a younger age, and I believe is possibly even older. Uh, either way, um, 
it's not going to be a, a guarantee that Patty Pimblett's going to sub him, especially if he doesn't have the club and sub type of capability. Uh, he could. He could hit him just perfect and then jump on something, right? Um, but if he doesn't and Vendramini is able to scramble with him, then I, like I think he can. Um, I feel like Vendramini can take over and or possibly knock him out in the process. So I feel like Vendramini can either get a stoppage uh, with strikes or maybe uh, squeeze out a 29-28 in a crazy fight. I'm going to reluctantly pick Vendramini, um, but it's nothing crazy. And, again, strictly analysis. It has nothing to do with um, Pimblet's hype or, you know, I believe the white nationalist stuff that he may or may not have said, which was not cool. So I'll leave it at that, though. Um, all right, next fight, uh, G Young Kim, minus 116. Molly Mahan, minus 102. Um, big fan of Meepo Molly, Molly, Molly. Um, you know, a former sandwich artist like myself there. <laughs> Fucking, I don't know, my first job like 20 years ago. Jesus Christ. Um, so, you know, shouts to that. Uh, and she just seems like a sweetheart. Uh, uh, I lo love that she put out her book and the theme of it. Um, that being said, I did go with Ji Young Kim, Fire Fist here. Uh, she's had a full camp, looks like down here at Syndicate MMA, with plenty of uh, females to train with, a lot of bodies. Uh, a lot of them had good things to say about her. Sounds like she was jabbing up some of her teammates, uh, which doesn't, you know, which uh, isn't the craziest thing, given her uh, primarily striking background in martial arts, traditional and non. Um, and her length and size, yeah. So, uh, it is a small cage, and Molly McCann has shown to uh, transition better with her takedowns off of strikes. We'll see if she, you know, can do that. Um, but uh, if she can't, and even if she can't, I don't know if that's going to guarantee her win. She's going to really have to dominate down there, especially with the way judges are going. So I'm going to go with uh, Jiyeon Kim to land the better strikes standing and uh, the more... Um, uh, the more damaging shots to the judges. But, like the line, it's not a confident pick, and especially not confident because I didn't research this one heavily because I, I wasn't looking to bet it. Um, but the pick will be Kim. Next fight, Jack Shore, minus 560. Uh, Leodvik uh, Sholinian, uh, minus or plus 420, man. Um, Leodvik uh, apparently was a tough contestant. I didn't watch it, but he lost Ricky Tercios and beat a name I'm not familiar with. Um, looks like he's got a ton of Ukrainian wrestling credits uh, to his credit, uh, like three guillotine wins and like only one knockout. So I'm guessing he's probably going to be mainly a control guy. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get that um, with a sizable guy who can grapple himself in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Japanese jiu-jitsu black belt and Jack Shore. So I'm going to go with Shore here. Um, and since this, you know, uh, since I'm guessing uh, the wrestler he's facing is wrestling on his mind, mind, uh, he's either going to get to the ground and get subbed or get tagged up on the feet and get hurt and shoot while he's hurt and get subbed. Um, so I, uh, I'm going to take a piece of Jack Shore by submission at plus 165. Just small. Um, but I haven't played it yet, but I was just looking at it before I jumped on here. So I like that, I think. Uh Charles Jourdain, minus 184. Uh, Julian Arosa, a.k.a. Cameron from Ferris Bueller. Bueller, plus 154. 
I don't like that Rosa's taking this fight on short notice and within two months or so of being, like, knocked out bad. Um, I don't like that at all. Um, Charles Jordan has shown that, you know, that first round is going to be sketchy. Um, in fact, you could maybe even lose in that first round because I imagine, you know, guy going on short notice is going to go do or die. Catch weight at 150 pounds. Uh, but even if it was a catch weight, I still don't even know how Rosa makes 150, much less 145. Um, so I expect him to, you know, even though he's dogged, um, you know, I expect him to maybe fade toward round three just because naturally because of that. And Jordan is a guy who purposely, like, goes for round three finishes and almost, like, I think he even said in an interview with Aaron Brownstetter, shout to him, that the way his physicality and pace goes, he aims for round three finishes. Um, so I sprinkled a bit on uh, Jordan uh, round three. Um, what did I get on it? I didn't get anything great on it. Um, was, uh, uh, yeah, plus 850. Not too great, but I sprinkled it. I think I might actually got a little higher, but still. That's what it's listing as now. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if he's going to, you know, we'll see if he gets it done inside. He could also win decision, but, uh, yeah, I, I just sprinkled on that. I didn't put him in any parlays or anything. I don't blame you for doing so. Um, although I don't know, we'll see. Uh, speaking of parlays, we actually close out. I know just the way it worked. I'm gonna end up trying to make my money early. I don't feel great about this one though. Mark Andre Barrio minus 164, Dolce Lungiambula plus 138. Um, I think I actually submitted Dolce for staff pick, but that one's not going public since it's a prelim. Uh, and uh, just looking at it closer, this is uh, this was a Mark Andre Barrio pick, and it sucks because Dolce is working with my guy Eric Nixick. Um, Chastain, I know it's been a tough week for those guys down there. Um, rest in peace to Kyle Reyes. Hope you guys saw the GoFundMe that I shared. I'm gonna try to get that another share actually around two. Um, and Dolce looks like you know this is his second camp. He's obviously you know getting on with his guy Francis Ngannou over there. Um. And he's getting his training in, and Eric's amazing. You know, uh, I got nothing bad to say about them or the team. Uh, I think it'd be a great fit for Longjambula, especially, you know, Eric um, on the mitts. But I don't know, you know, Eric, Dewey Cooper, you could have anybody. And I just, I'm not sure in, in, in this amount of time if, how much you can coach, you know, uh, certain things out of Lungiambula. Now, I wouldn't know they would know they're in the training room with him, but from what I see from an outsider perspective, he seems to, A, be hardwired to throw heat into everything he, he throws and not necessarily have the gas tank to sustain it, right, which is the over and underlying problem, uh, potentially, to why I'm picking bar Barrio. But, um, B... It's also that there there is this, and not even like a jank like Chikadze where it's just hard to time, like more just a stiffness, a tightness. Whether it's all the years of judo, the sensibilities to want to throw and load and all these things working against each other that makes just for a tight and rigid striking product that he kind of offers. But, man, I don't know how you coach that out of somebody. Or, you know, I think you, you can, obviously. I just feel like it... it it may take a little more time than what we're seeing as far as the Dolce turnaround. We'll see, man. If anybody's going to do it, it's my guys over there. But 
when I see a guy that just has that hard wiring where it's just, you know, athleticism, explosion, or whatever, as the commentary likes to say. But, you know, he's just, he's he's got one of those gas tanks, and not to, to roganify it, but, like, he's got one of those suspect tanks. He's always thrown with power and feels like a lot of knockout or bust because his fights even over at EFC, they get sketchy when they get past that second midpoint of the second round, right? Um, so against a, a grinder that's never been stopped or submitted in Barrio, like that just feels like stylistic kryptonite. Now you want to talk about in camp intangibles, the fact that Barrio, you know, just changed his life around and moved down to Florida, work at Sanford MMA, loving it, looking great, feeling great. Says he's really focusing on shoring up his wrestling holes. Um, I feel like that La Jambula will still be able to get takedowns. And like his last decision, that's his best route to winning a decision. But not only can it get sketchy like it did in that last fight against you know Marcus Perez of all people, but against Powerball Barrio, who just chases the fight and is much more sensible with what he throws and much more consistent in the tools that he offers... Man, I just feels like this is just one of those classic bad matchups written all over it where it's just knockout or bust. And you know me, I tend to go with the opposite of the knockout or bust guy. Um, you know, uh, so I picked Barrio here. Uh, he is one leg of the two-leg parlay. And with the uh, round three sprinkles, uh, I also took a bit of that for around eight, plus 850 as well uh, for Barrio round three. Um <laughs> kind of like the gif on like you know the bowling balls i was trying to look for a gif of uh like a bunch of people like lining up together and launching bowling balls one after another like in tight unison trying to see how many bowling balls they can get before the gate closes down the lane and i couldn't find that i know i i know me and my goofy taekwondo buddies couldn't have been the only people doing that back in the day right uh, and so I was kind of disappointed that I couldn't find a gift of that because that's what I feel like with me, like trying to shoot all these like round three props. Like I'm trying to get get as many in, in the gate and trying to hit as many pins as I can, you know, to turn that profit. So, uh, yeah, um, I sprinkled a bit on the round three. And if I lose, well, then my guy and his team wins. So I'm happy. But this is the game we play. Hopefully, um, well, not hopefully. I know Eric, man. He's a He's nothing but a pro. Um, he knows that there's more important things in life than these silly things. Not silly things, but, you know, things that should be in the professional realm, you know. Um, one of the coaches Eric respects most is Henry Uft, and who's going to be opposite of his corner backing Mike Andre Barrios, Henry Uft. You know, do um, you think that's going to make their f uh, friendship any less when Henry's, you know, yelling, he's tired, get after him. You know, you think you think uh, Eric's going to take that personally? Hell no, he's a pro. So, again, it just, I, 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 uh, if only we all, we could all have those attitudes. And uh, if only I could, like, just not piss people off genuinely because I'm just bad at that and I suck. Um, Jonathan Martinez, minus 154. Marcelo Rojo, plus 130. Uh, Marcelo Rojo, maybe between the tattoos and, like, at least, you know, the length and some of the striking stuff. I mean, he's like the poor man's uh, Andre Feely. Without without the double leg takedown and the uh, the meaningful jab, he's got a jab that he'll double or triple on, um, but not too meaningful. It's more of his left hook, which is meaningful because Jonathan Martinez got knocked out, not just knocked out, but tagged by a couple times by that left hook. Left hook can be that kryptonite for the southpaws, right? So that'll be worth watching out for. However, 
I feel like Jonathan Martinez learned his lesson from that. I feel like outside of that fight, Jonathan Martinez has been very durable. I feel like that was a learning lesson for Jonathan Martinez. And I still don't feel like Jonathan Martinez gets enough credit. You know, people forget that he actually beat Andre Uhl and has been showing a lot of striking improvements. Um, was also, you know, teeing up um, uh, Davy Grant for parts in the first round and almost finishing him at the end of it. Um, so I like his southpaw kicks and his kick radar, although he actually can uh, take him at a high clip uh, too. So that'll be interesting because Marcelo Rojo showed that you know he hurt Charles Jordan's legs, even though he didn't land that much. So that'll be interesting to watch. But when Charles Jordan went southpaw, like his left crosses down the center, both countering and coming forward, as well as his open stance southpaw kicks, both to the body and to the head. Um, we're just wrecking shop and what won him the fight against Rojo. Uh, we're clearly by, uh, was clearly the most successful strikes he had. And that's Martinez's bread and butter, who is a natural, real hard hitting southpaw. Um, hopefully, he brings back more of the check right hook that was not apparent. And I think part of the reason on why he got hooked in the hooking lane uh, by Dave, Davey Grant, that Davey Grant swinging them bones, hey, Dad. You know, that's what Davey does. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, hopefully Martinez brings that back. Vote for Pedro. I voted for Pedro. Um, if, he get, if he got down to minus 150 or below it, I feel like I could have just played him straight up. Uh, but you're still almost getting a dollar discount, I think, because he's a fighter that people don't think high of, People that a fighter that you can look, uh, look at him and misjudge him, and he's coming off a knockout loss. Whereas Rojo, you know... Um, overperformed in a loss even though he was uh, stopped because he doesn't have the greatest defense and more importantly all Rojo's losses are in the third round whereas Jonathan Martinez has a knack for finishing fights as well as his most recent finishes all come in the third round so uh, I sprinkled a bit on Jonathan Martinez plus 1000 uh, or plus 1200 I'm sorry round three um that's right, three round threes. Uh, so I sprinkled on that there too. Um, so hopefully one of those hit, especially if like one of the parlay legs crash, then you know one of those round threes makes up for it. Um, if not, the dog hitting will make up for either the parlay or and or misses on the round threes if they all miss. Uh, if just the dog hits, because I only put a half unit uh, and then a full unit on my parlay, um, and little like 0.17 to 0.125 quarter units on the round three props, uh, as well as the shore by sub plus 165. So, um, let me just recap those, uh, my picks and plays real quick. How'd I do on time? Eh, 102, not too bad. All right, taking Brunson over Till, taking Aspinall, Aspinall over Spivak, taking Zawada over Morono, taking... Bukowskis over Roundtree, taking Vendramini over Pimlet, taking Kim over McCann, taking Shore over Sholinian, taking Jordan over Rosa, taking Barrio over Langyambula, taking voting for Pedro over Rojo. Uh, parlayed Martinez minus 165 and Barrio minus 170 for plus 155 at one unit. Took a straight shot in Zawada at plus 118 for half a unit. Uh, if either of those do well, then maybe I'll sprinkle on Brunson at plus 154, but not before 
I lay down a little bit of prop coverage for the Brunson till under 3.5 at plus 105. Probably also going to sprinkle on shore by sub plus 165. And I did 0.17 to point quarter unit sprinkles on Martinez round three, uh, which I believe we got 1,200. Uh, power bar round three, uh, I believe in... I got plus 8875 on that one. And then Jordan round three, I think 850. Uh, all quarter unit. Um, no avoid. You avoid what you want to avoid. I already listed what I'm avoiding and listed I'm playing what I'm playing. Shouts to D-Love. A lot of D-Love specials. Derek Love in the house. I haven't, I haven't given the D-Love. The D-Love round three. Uh, there's just too many. It's late. I'm a bit lost. And uh, if I left anybody out, apologies. Um... Much love to you guys. Uh, gonna, oh yeah, that's right. If you listen to the audio version, I'm gonna add on a little bit of a little bit of a Adam Sandler memory relay <laughs> skit, short, sweet, and uh, a reminder if you're on YouTube. Uh, yeah, you can uh, you always listen to audio versions and give the five star ratings a like, subscribe. I don't really give a shit. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect. Yikes. Hey, it's great to have the four of us out on a road trip again. This is going to be fun. Definitely, man. Yeah, awesome. man this is awesome. Whoa, do you smell that skunk? Yeah. You know, even though it stinks, it kind of reminds me of growing up. All right, all right. Yeah. I can see that. Kind of reminds me of smelling weed. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of smelling a pussy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, it reminds me of smelling an ass. All right, all right. <laughs> reminds me of smelling a 60-year-old guy's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we got rid of him. He was weirding me out. Oh my god, that was a little out there. Hey, check it out, a water slide. Cool. Man, those things always remind me of my 13th birthday party. Remember that? I remember, yep. I remember yep. that. Reminds me of that girl I met last summer who was a lifeguard at one of those things. She was unbelievable. She looking. was high. She, well, was, she was good, man. It reminds me of that rich girl I went out with. And when her dad went out of town, we fooled around in his jacuzzi. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That's right. It also reminds me of the time I saw the 60-year-old man slide down one of those things, and he was going so fast, his bathing suit fell off, and I just stood there and stared at his big, beautiful, hairy balls flopping around. Holy jeez, I wanted to lick them. I hate you guys! You tricked me into saying that! Oh my god. I always knew that guy was a little weird. Yeah. Hey, there's a pizza place. It smells awesome. It reminds me of the time when I used to work at a pizza place. It reminds me of the first date I had with this girl, Ginger. I took her to a pizza place. <laughs> hey, it also reminds me of the time I ate a slice of pizza and then went over to a 60-year-old man's house and made him fuck me in the ass in front of his kids. <laughs> What's that? Oh, oh my god! Ah! Hey, that last skit was written for a reason. If any of your buddies have fooled around with a 60-year-old man, 
don't throw them out of your car, or you will die. Now enjoy the rest of the album.